Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How you doing, Corey? Doing pretty good. A scrambling mess trying to get all of our notes together here. I know, right? We I think that like the, <laughs> the, the pre-gaming on this one was going to be longer than our actual podcast. I mean, oh my we're gosh. still well, a scrambled mess. Well, it is. It is. We're just going to lay this out right now because we were both looking into the same thing um, because we watched... Whitney Webb's podcast. She actually did back in February, but it's it's really really important information. And as I was listening to it, I'm going, okay, okay this connects to this report I've done. This connects to that report and that report. And I sent it to Edge, and I said, you got to listen to this because I knew it connected to some work you've done too. And so we both just kind of like went off on our own tangents, and we're like, we really got to talk about this. This is super important. And so we have a conglomeration of notes to kind of hopefully put together in some organized fashion. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of winging it. So bear with us today, folks. We've got a lot of stuff to get through, but yes, that that, just so people know though, that's all on the neuroethics on uh, what's going on in that whole realm. And it's, it's, it's rather alarming stuff. Yes, indeed. And so that's what we're mainly going to focus on today. Uh, We'll touch on the Ministry of Truth, how that's been paused, and Nina Jankowitz has resigned. So there's a little (laughs) bit of winning there. Um, But uh, we're also going to talk about your latest article, 17 Goals Towards Enslavement, Exposing the Real Agendas Behind the 2030 Agenda. And I uh, also need to give a shout out to Dr. Merkula for publishing our uh, one of our recent Dig It podcasts on your report, Corey, on the new food system. Yes, yes. Thank you, Dr. Merkula, for that. And just so people know, we are going to have him on the podcast with us next week. So if there's something you've been itching to ask him or would like to know, throw, uh, throw it down in the comments. And if we have time, we'll try to work some of those in. Yeah, definitely. And then we're going to spend the majority of the time talking about this uh, Whitney Webb podcast that she did on Unlimited Hangout on neurorights and neuromarkets. And as you said, uh, she had a wealth of information, also a lot of um, podcast notes for you to refer to. But we're going to use that as sort of a jumping off point and add to it from, you know, things that we've dug up and just comments that we want to make on it. Right. Okay, yeah. so let's get into it. Let's see here. So um, you just published, sorry, you just published 17 Goals Towards Enslavement, Exposing the Real Agendas Behind the 2030 Agenda. Yeah, what I wanted to do was, so I feel like I've, I've pretty much covered the gamut. Um, I mean, I can certainly keep going, but on the majority of the biggest agendas against humanity, and I've been wanting to kind of put them all into one page, you know, just like one source link so that people can see these are the major agendas against humanity. And when you see them side by side and you start reading them, then then you get this really big picture and you see how it all connects and it all ties together. And of course, how we have all the same players and the funding and all that good stuff. So the other thing I wanted to do was um, I know that you know, our listeners are probably very versed in this, but I wanted to kind of put almost like a little key chart at the beginning for those who, you know, maybe aren't quite as versed with it to show what this great con is and the 17 goals of deception. And so what I did is I list out 
what they are calling their 17 goals. <laughs> right. Such as no poverty, no, you know, zero hunger, good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality. And so, and then I say, but what's really happening? So this right. is what they're saying that they, this is about, but what's really happening? And then exactly. I, point, I point out a few of those little things. And then, um, I just loved how you broke this down because anybody, um, who looks at these goals, they're like, Oh, this is all great. What's right? your problem with it? But when you juxtapose <laughs> it to reality, you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, none of this stuff is being accomplished. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Yep. Yep. In fact, they are manufacturing these crises like they always do. It's the same playbook. So, um, so then what I did is I created, you know, exposing the true agendas behind their goals. So I kind of categorized my reports, um, like the first one being good health and well-being. You know, and so what I do is I have a link to the report and then I have the con and I list the sustainable goals that it pertains to. So you can see this is the actual agenda. They're claiming they want no poverty. They want sustainable cities and communities, you know, on and on climate action, of course. Um, But this is what they're really doing. So, right. So I just did that through um, all the underneath all the reports that I have. And then, you know, we move on to the other categories, food safety and security, um, economic growth, sustainable cities and communities. It's just a bunch of hogwash, the industry, innovation and infrastructure. And then, of course, we have protecting the con. I mean, you got to protect the con. So right. that's where narrative control and censorship comes in. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of people are more visual. I'm, I'm more of a visual person myself. So stuff clicks and registers quicker with me on a, on a visual sense. Like I pay attention to patterns and whatnot. So I'm hoping this kind of maybe simplifies and narrows it down and while at the same time pulling it all together for some people. Yeah, definitely. Like if somebody um, has a family member or a friend who's really just now starting to make these connections and wants mm-hmm. more, this is a great resource. I mean, because it's kind of all in one of uh, just like years worth of work that you've put together. Yeah, that's why I want to do it. So I can just start sharing one link. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Going in and going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have a report on that one. Nope, here's the link. Cause it's pretty, it's all agendas, you know, and, the, and they're all global. It's not just in the US, these are all global. So yeah. yeah and definitely. then of course I had to include my solution section at the end. So I try to do that at the end of each report. Um, some are more in depth and, some I struggle on, you know, the solutions. And so, uh, but I, I linked to my solution tab overall, cause there's several articles in there. Awesome. Awesome. So check that, that out guys. We'll leave a link in the description below. And then also given a quick shout out to Dr. Merkula who um, published uh, one of our latest dig it podcasts. And this was going over in depth, one of your latest reports, on their new global food system. Yes, thank you very much for getting that information out. It's super important information. Yeah, and so if you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, check it out either on Merkla's website or um, here. If you're already listening to our <laughs> to our podcast, and- then just uh, look for this particular podcast as well. So because it is an important one. So 
All right. Um, so speaking of narrative control um, <laughs> and kind of this spills into what we're going to spend the majority of the podcast on today, um, right. which is this neurotech innovations and neuroethics and uh, all of that. Neuro all rights. the fun neuro. Right, right. So big news this week. Team Biden dumps ditzy disinfo czar Nina Jankowitz. <laughs> But its board remains a threat to free speech. So the news this week is Ministry of Truth has been paused for now. And Mm -hmm. Nina Jankowitz has resigned. And uh, so this is probably, and from the article, uh, appears to be based off of the massive lashback that they got over the (laughs) Ministry of Truth. Um, I think that they realized that they weren't going to have much success in accomplishing their goals with being so overt mm-hmm. with their plans for a Looney Tunes, completely crackerjack Looney Tunes. And with Nina Jankowitz at the helm, who has mm-hmm. promised that she wants to F her way to the top for power and uh, fame, and who has definitely promised that she wants to... Uh, and still more censorship. But um, I think that their hopes for something like a ministry of truth um, still remain. I just feel like they are going to be more covert about them. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's already been going on anyways. Exactly. (laughs) It's been going on forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're going to still accomplish their, or try to accomplish their goals of censorship. And um when they, do, when they do stuff like this, it's really just intimidation, you know? I mean, it's already being done. They're just trying to vocalize it and put it out there to intimidate people further. Right. It's just like the DHS basically saying that um, equating Republicans to white nationalists and saying that white nationalists are the biggest terrorist problem in the country. Mm-hmm. Or um, it's like the DOJ saying that parents are the biggest problem. And they're going to start going after parents for voicing their concerns about what's happening at their schools, their kids' schools. It right. is meant to chill free speech. It's meant to intimidate. And it's meant to weaponize these uh, three-letter agencies against the American citizens. Yep, absolutely. But definitely a win, I would say. And um, we just need to keep the pressure on them because whatever we did uh, with exposing the Ministry of Truth and how completely absurd and ridiculous it was, that worked. And so we just need to continue because they're going to keep trying to slip this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff through. Um, We just keep needing to expose it um, as that happens. Or they're just going to come at it from the whole other angle that we're going to be talking about. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why I was just going to say is that they're realizing that they're having so much trouble controlling the narrative at this point. Mm -hmm. They're having so much trouble controlling speech, this awful free speech. We just need to clamp down on it. We just can't get it under control, right? Right. So what's the next step? Well, let's, why don't we just start trying to control the people? And if everybody mm-hmm. agrees and thinks the same way, then we won't have any political dissidents. We won't have any pushback against our. And instead of doing mind control, you know, behind the scenes and through the computers and through the phones and through frequencies, let's just bring it out in the open and create a whole market for it and make it enticing. 
Exactly. It's like the next biggest thing. You know, the iPhone was, think about how innovative the iPhone was, right? And how it just really changed mm-hmm. society, right? Oh, you yeah. It created all- a bunch of addicts. Yes, exactly. But you had all this information and technology at your fingertips. And um, there have been positive things that have come from it, but a lot of negative things, as you just said. Mm-hmm. And um, but the next big thing then would to just be able to have that without a handheld device. It's just, you know, implanted in you. Right. 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 And so I can imagine that there would be a whole market of people who always want the next best iPhone, the newest upgrade, who will be just dying to get their hands on this kind of tech once it is released to the public for public consumption, right? Yeah, especially the younger generation. They're already glued to their phones. I mean, they're like crack addicts on these phones. And when this stuff starts coming out and they start, you know, they've already got the wearables going, but they're going to keep going with that line and then eventually work it inside the head i mean they've already got it inside the head but 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 on a more marketable appealing way right so so we've got the whole metaverse and the virtual reality going on but they're going to just keep going deeper with it and get them so sucked in that they're going to think oh i definitely want that how cool to be able to see a screen through my eye and connect with my phone and you know it'll start with like the tech things like that And then we can make you smarter. We can make your anxiety stop. We can, you know, make this happen and that happen. And we can download your brain with all this and you can record your dreams. And and I can just not. Right. They're going to come up with every way to sell it, especially on the medical end of things with being able to solve all kinds of things. They're 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 marketing it as uh, for for clinical for clinical applications, as far as like trying to address things like Alzheimer's, like, like, um, dementia. So Biden may be getting a brain chip, who knows, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, for these kinds of things and also for, you know, just for all kinds of neurological disorders, uh, but also for depression and anxiety, as you had said. So they're going to market it like that, but I think that they definitely are going to expand it to the public on how it's going to be able to, not just for people who have neurological disorders, but it's for everybody. It's going to make you so much smarter and more advanced and right yeah yeah right and so so what we had is in 2013 i think most people listening know that uh obama launched the whole brain initiative and uh the the backstory on it which whitney goes over in this podcast is in 2011 there was a private meeting in england at the royal society with 25 experts in science and uh it was at the mansion of the Royal Society. So uh, Raphael Euste and George Church, the anyone who's read my reports, and I think you even included him in one of your reports, didn't you? I did on, um, yeah, the cancer and, and you know, uh, cancer within modern medicine. And that was, I think, like a five-part series, but the last one being transhumanism. And George Church plays a prominent role oh in my that one. God, I know. I, he was in, um, I designated uh, quite a bit of space in chapter four of my book on the global vaccine ID passports because he's, uh, he. there's so much to say about him. He just- uh, He's like the- back. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just like this Frankenstein type of neuro uh, type of uh, scientist. Gen- he's a mad scientist, mad scientist, um, geneticist, yeah. eugenicist, uh, eugenicist, with right. ties to Epstein. Got Epstein funding, yada yada yada. I mean, not a good dude. It works with China, uh, big big time, big time into DNA grabbing DNA. Um, uh, wanting to create, well, let's see, I've got, let's see. He says, we know that they have, well, he's talking about Neanderthals. Um, he says, when asked about DNA fragments of Neanderthals that scientists have who existed 30,000 years ago, church said that the DNA could be assembled into an embryo, which could be planted inside a human, a very daring woman. He believes that significant knowledge could be gained from cloning Neanderthals, stating we know that they had a larger cranial size. They could even be more intelligent than us. When the time comes to deal with an epidemic or getting off the planet or whatever, it's conceivable that their way of thinking could be beneficial. So <laughs> he's he's um, he's a freakazoid. He, I have a whole list. If you go to part four blockchain of my book, which is also in a report on my website, people can read more on him. I've actually would love to take some time and write even more because he's connected in with all of them, all, all of them. I even have like a, we don't have it pulled up, but I have a screenshot in my uh, report that he actually provides <laughs> to show all the wonderful, you know, you got Google, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Merck, um, NASA, I mean, it, it, on and on, huge, massive NIH, you know, connections. So anyway, him and um, Raphael Yuste created this first draft of what would become the Brain Initiative. And they were then sent to the White House in September 2011 to discuss it. So this is where this was created. And so the BRAIN initiative, BRAIN stands for uh, Brain Research Through Advancing Innovative Neurotechnologies. And USTA is leading 650 centers internationally. And so it's, this is so huge. It's, it's such a, um, and we talked about, about, you know, the BRAIN initiative in the past, but what just happened and the reason why she covered this is because they've now created this legislation uh, in, in Chile on the neural rights and they've right. got, you know, five key neural rights, giving people the impression that they're trying to protect people. Right. And in fact, we know they're not. We know there are people who are behind doing this are the ones who are coming up with this sort of neuro rights initiative. Right. 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 And um, from what I understand uh, from what Whitney Webb said in that podcast was that uh, Chile is really a testing ground for what they plan to roll out throughout the West. They use it really as sort of a beta test. Um, And so when you're trying to find out uh, what's coming down the pipe for re- the rest of us, Chile and Ar- Argentina, from my understanding, have really been at the forefront of all of this transhumanist stuff with regards to neurotech and these neuro rights uh, initiatives, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it seems to me as a, it's, a, it's a way to, um, to bring the guard down of the public. People are, are 
typically going to be, uh, I would think, very skeptical of this, especially coming off of the last two years. Um, What we've seen with governmental organizations and the way way they weaponized those uh, agencies against us and really just gaslighted us all the way through um, for the past two years on things. And so I think people are a lot more cynical, a lot less trusting of the government than they were a couple of years ago. And something like a neuro rights initiative would be something that would you know, it's, it's an attempt to, to you know, tame the public and make them feel a little bit more comfortable with the idea of rolling something like this neurotech and, out. Right? And to ensure, my favorite one, to ensure the right to equal access to mm-hmm. mental augmentation. That's, right. That one just kills me. Right. Yeah. What that means is that they just want everybody chipped everybody to have this right regardless of your class class or uh you know what country you're in or whatever i mean this is a global initiative right and so they're they're you know they've been developing these technologies for a long time we know darpa's had tons of stuff out on this they've already been using for years we've covered them in reports and so i think what they're probably going to do is they'll at least over here they're going to focus very much on the medical um, ways of utilizing it to help people with spinal issues or Alzheimer's or depression and stuff like that. They're going to really hit the mental health, I'm sure. And um, people are going to start to see this as, oh, what a good thing. What a great thing. Look at what it can do. And it'll be kind of a slow rolling, but Mm -hmm. um, in, in order to entice the, the younger generation. But what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I agree that um, they definitely, I mean, the, the brain initiative, which was started by Obama, um, it, it, or under Obama, um, mm-hmm. it's an NIH thing. And of course, they're going to sell it um, as, you know, all the clinical benefits to it. But when you look at, um, you know, the the funders, the participants, the, you know, billions partners, of dollars going into this, billions. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, DARPA, IARPA, NSF, and the FDA, uh, <laughs> and of course the NIH, who, I mean, can't trust any of these <laughs> agencies. No. no, well, then then you add the other funders, Google, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. Microsoft is all up in this. You right. know, that paints quite a picture. But I think what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to try to make it as enticing as possible, just like they do with virtual reality and, um, and, and kind of soften it up a bit and make it seem like they're protecting us uh, because they have a right to determine, you know, laws around our brains. And uh, then look, look at all the people who got the jab. I mean, and continued to. Mm -hmm. And the boosters. Yeah. So to think that, you know, if somebody says, hey, we've beaten you down, we've worn you down, we broke you, you're in constant adrenal fatigue, you're depressed, you're scared, you're this, you're that. But look, we can deliver you happiness just right. through this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Because that's I where think- that's going to go. 
I, I agree. I agree. And some of when you look at some of the research that Yusef was into, um, you know, such as play, implanting false memories into mice, is that correct? Um, but I could imagine where that could, technology could go um, as far as if that was in the hands of, oh, gosh, yikes. <laughs> I know. DARPA? I know. IARPA? Um, I know, and just then, just, what what are they going to do with that kind of technology uh, to um, manipulate people's thoughts, emotions, behaviors? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna build the obedient slaves that they want. And so, just to show how how massive this is, we've got that document um, edge. It's the um, the PDF one on. I forget what the title is because I'm down on page four right now. It's it's from Columbia because that's who Eustay is tied to. But he had worked on this report. Um, it's the NTC uh, Columbia EDU. No, that's the New York Times one. Uh, well, it's okay. I'll go ahead and read while you're fine. There <laughs> you one? go. There you go. Okay. So page four. So given the massive scale of global neurotechnology investment, now is the time to anticipate and to proactively fill human rights protection gaps. There's that word gaps by, uh, created by neurotechnology. The 2013 U.S. Brain Initiative launched by the Obama administration is a multi-billion dollar initiative involving the work of three government agencies, the NIH, National Science Foundation, and the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Since 2013, five other brain initiatives have been created around the world, including the European Human Brain Project and China's Brain Project, announced in 2016, which has allocated funding of $1 billion through the year, what year? 2030. Right. Sources report an increase, yep, an increase of 62% in global neurotechnology investments between 2019 and 2020. And the global neurotechnology market is presently valued at 10.7 billion in 2020 and is expected to reach 21 billion by 2026. It sparked a wave in global neurotechnology investment. Um, the, uh, oh yeah, between 2010 and 2014, the number of neurotechnology patents more than doubled from 800 to 1600 annually. So those people who love to research patents have at it, uh, most of which have been awarded to private investors outside of medical device companies. The UN, of course, is poised to play a key leadership role on neurotechnology and human rights. The Neural Rights Foundation has engaged senior officials at the UN on the global state of neurotechnology's development and use, opportunities and risks it poses for the advancement of human rights, and applicable legal, ethical, and governance frameworks. So we know how that's going to roll. And the, uh, the oh, I just lost my train of thought. The, oh, so the Neuroethics Foundation, who is proposing this, who prepared this document, which uh, Rafael Yuste is the uh, founder of, was founded in May 2021. And what's really interesting about that is the incorporator that's listed is Jared, and I don't know how, if it's Genzer or Genzer, how to pronounce his name there. Um, and, and he is an international human rights lawyer. 
He's part of the foundation's team as well. He's also CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. He's a fellow at the Royal Society of Arts. In 2009, he was elected as a delegate to the Asia Society's Asia 21 Young Leaders Summit. From 28 to 2013, he was the global leader for World Economic Forum. He practices law in Maryland, D.C., and is a solicitor of England and Wales. And the best part is he's now an executive producer of this new Amazon series that Orlando Bloom is developing with him on his 20-year career in human rights. And so this is through like Amazon Studios, I believe it is. And so there's this series that they're working on that's going to be coming out. And you can imagine the direction they're going to guide that while at the same time, I had reported on this in my, my book I did um, on George Church. You got Morgan Freeman and uh, what's the gal's name? Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, this was the screenshot I had in my... Um, so it's called Revelations Entertainment and Jay Firestone of Prodigy Pictures are partnering with geneticist and CRISPR pioneer George Church to develop and produce a dramatic series centered on the danger, dangerous and life-affirming ways that technology can impact the world. So you got Morgan Freeman working on that. So, so my point is when they're taking stuff like this and rolling it in through Hollywood, this is how they're going to use it to make it enticing and exciting and and, and, you know, snow everybody. Right. They've already secured the funding. They've already got research underway. They've already got clinical trials and various different, you know, applications of this kind of neurotech stuff, transhumanist stuff. Now they're in the PR phase. Let's get Hollywood involved and sort of soft, sort of soften the blow and, and, and allow the, the, the masses to accept this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. it, it's just like a multi-pronged approach. Um, but so looking at, you know, how the brain initiative has affected certain research, particularly with DARPA, I mean, they're, um, they've got, you know, a long list of things with regards to DARPA and their partnership with the brain initiative. And, you know, they've done a number of, of research projects, um, some of them. Well, first of all, I mean, we're talking about untold millions or even billions really here in funding for brain research and neurotech. And uh, they plan on using it on soldiers as well as on patients and obviously eventually bringing that to market for the whole population. But they've been working on it since, uh, you know, we said since October 2013, uh, making a lot of headway. I mean, we're here we are in 2022. Um, they're looking into brain implants with their NESD program. Um this one right here. And this program seems to be in a lot of ways like Elon Musk's Neuralink, uh, talking about um, using neural implants as sort of brain computer interface made possible, you know, with basically a brain chip type of device. Um, so they've been working on this, I think, since 2016. And so I can imagine they've made some massive headway. So when people think, oh, you know, Elon Musk got Neuralink, well, <laughs> um, yeah, that's like a startup. 
I mean, I can imagine how much more advanced DARPA is with the massive amount of funding that they have for something that's really equivalent to what Elon Musk's Neuralink is doing, right? Right, right. I mean, you know what? Before we go into more of the things that they're um, working on, we should show people the five neural rights that they are incorporating into this legislation. And they want this to be put into so so the foundation the the uh neuroethics foundation that they just created last year in may uh they want it to go into the un declaration of human rights so so we've got these five neural rights um you want to read them off edge the right to personal identity Boundaries must be developed to prohibit technology from disrupting the sense of self. When neurotechnology connects individuals with digital networks, it could blur the lines between a person's consciousness and external technological inputs. You don't say. Huh. Yeah. Okay, the right to free will. Yes, mm -hmm. the right to free will. Individuals should have ultimate control of their own decision-making without unknown manipulation from external neurotechnologies. They wouldn't ever do that, would they? No, but you know what's For, interesting? Try to manipulate our free will? Hmm. You know what's interesting? So when I read that one, I'm like, ah, oh, free will. Hmm. So in my nine-part series I did on the uh, psych agenda, you know, cradle to grave, the social emotional learning and all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So the Fetzer Institute was very invested in all of this good stuff here. And we've got, they literally created, so in March, 2019, this is from, um, yeah, I don't know if you have the link or not, but that's okay. I can just ramble about it. You don't have this to This one right here? Up. Yeah, if um, you go down to where it says neurophilosophy of free will, they actually like invented a whole new area of science on this. And uh, so in March 2019, Chapman University's new Brain Institute received uh, 1.55 million from the Fetzer Institute, 5.34 million from the John Templeton Foundation, and 150,000 from the Fetzer Memorial trust for the creation of an entirely new field of study called neurophilosophy of free will. And so this institute is serving as a central hub, but the grant actually supports 17 other universities that were involved in all of this. And of course you got Harvard and Duke and Dartmouth and all these good ones and um, UCLA and Yale and whatnot. So this project launched in, um, March 2019. And it began this four-year collaboration among eight neuroscientists and nine philosophers from around the world. And some of the questions they were seeking to get answers on was, do we have free will? Are we in fact free to do what we wish? What is the role of consciousness in our decisions? And <clears throat> some of the other things they were studying is they were trying to determine how the brain enables causal conscious control of human decisions and actions. So they're testing whether human intentions are causally efficacious for our decisions and behavior. What is the specific role of consciousness when intentions guide behavior? And what, if any, is the difference between conscious control in deliberate, deliberate versus arbitrary decisions? And so when I look at this, 
I just think, hmm, they're putting together research in order to establish a narrative like they always do. And is this going to play a role in, you know, with such as this, with legislation where we're now working into legislation having to do with free will? Right, right. And if you've seen anything coming out about this free will discussion, no doubt you've heard of um, Yuval Harari, the World Economic Forum's darling on this whole transhumanism agenda and how he talks about how humans are merely hackable animals. Oh, yeah. And there is this whole idea of free will, will and souls that's just that's just nonsense and yeah yeah. so this is actually what they believe and they're dumping millions billions of dollars into this kind of research through massive massive you know funding you know by darpa by irpa by you know nih and uh you know all of these microsoft Yes, all of these massive, massive, you know, the private and public partnership again, of course. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, we can go back to the to the legislative items, the five items. I just had to get that in there on the free will part. Sure. So the next one is the right to mental privacy. Any data obtained from measuring neural activity, neurodata, should be kept private. Moreover, the sale, commercial transfer, and use of neural data should be strictly regulated. Now, let's think about these people partnering in all of this neuroscience and neurotech. Okay, Google, um, how great uh-huh. have they been on privacy? How great have they been mm-hmm. on selling our data? Microsoft, same. Facebook, same. I mean, you could go down the list of Apple. how every single one of them has been caught time and time again of using Mm -hmm. and selling our data uh, for the purposes of basically social engineering and manipulation, you know, via advertising and that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. It, this, this all kind of reminds me of when I was doing the, um, when I was working on, you know, the whole digital ID situation there on the, the book I was working on where, uh, Linux, the Linux Foundation came in to say they were going to make sure everyone was protected and there would be privacy through when it came to blockchain. <laughs> I just, it's just all an oxymoron. I mean, <clears throat> these people, well, go ahead, finish with these. And then I want to read like a couple points um, from some other articles here. Okay. So the next one is the right to equal access to mental augmentation. There should be established guidelines to both international and national levels regulating the development and applications of mental enhancement neurotechnologies. These guidelines should be based on the principles of justice and guarantee equality to, uh, of access to all citizens. Okay. Now, I have to interject. And I know I've read this in the past, but I have to read it again. This is also in part uh, part four of my report because I covered a lot on AI and this type of stuff in part four of my, my book. So <clears throat> this is from a 2013 coincidental timing, huh? Is this, which one is this from? Is this from? So this ID is the Passport. blockchain. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, it's a long one to scroll. You'd be better off keyword searching it if you can. (laughs) But it's all the way down under AI and augmented uh, humans. Okay. And so in 2013, coincidentally, the same year that the Brain Initiative was created, a 31-page white paper 
titled Dreaming the Future of Health for the Next 100 Years. You just passed it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's the one with the quote there. Yeah. So this was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. And they talk about opening a window to the future and what that looks like after 2030 and beyond 2050. And that there is a hot virtual debate in the political forum today on the growing and social difference between augmented and non-augmented people. And they say, so now this is their vision of the future, right? We will interact more with artificial intelligence. The use of robotics, bioengineering to augment human functioning is already well underway and will advance. Re-engineering of humans into potentially separate and unequal forms through genetic engineering or mixed human robots raises debates on ethics and equality. A new demography is projected to emerge after 2030 of technologies, robotics, genetic engineering, nanotech, producing robots, engineered organisms, nanobots, and artificial intelligence that can self-replicate. Debates will grow on the implications of an impending reality of human-designed life. So... <laughs> This is, um, and, and you know, and they've got stuff on mapping an AI future and just, there's so much in here on AI in, in part four. So when I was, you know, going through um, listening to Whitney talk about what was going on, I'm just like, all my past reports are all clicking together on this, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I have um, in previous podcasts with speakers talked about, uh, we've talked about AI and transhumanism and, and definitely delved into that topic of um, how there is going to be a, if, you know, if and when this rolls out, um, two classes of people, the people that choose to not be augmented mm -hmm. and the people who are. And right. what kind of effects that is going to have, um, devastating effects on the people who <clears throat> choose not to be augmented. Uh, like if someone, if you're competing for a scholarship into college, um, you know, and you have someone who has vast vastly more access to intelligence than you do, uh, what are your chances of being able to do that? Or will they even have colleges at that point right, or, if people right. are able to be basically just Google stuff from their brains? Right, because they, <laughs> that's, that's what they talk about with this tech, how you're going to be completely interfaced mm -hmm. and how you'll be able to like see the screen through your eye. I mean, it's... So no more education. It's going to totally... Right. Yeah. And, and no, so just... Instant brain downloads, man. Well, I guess that's a good thing and a bad thing. But yeah, I mean, if you can just indoctrinate people directly from their brains instead of sending them through 12 or, you know, 16 years of indoctrination camps, um, then yeah, much easier and quicker, right, to accomplish your goal. Um, but how is it going to affect the job forces? I mean, like, if right. you're trying to apply for a job and someone's vastly more intelligent than you simply because they have a brain chip, um, yeah, I think that there's going to be huge discrepancies. And so, yeah, this is going to be their justification for wanting to get everybody one, right? It has to be equitable, right? But at the same time, I mean, there's going to be um, a breakaway population who's going to say, screw this, and I'm included in that, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I have, no, I have no desire to be part robot. No, thank no, you. Not at all. And so what does that mean for our future? Right. Yeah. Huge, oh, huge, yeah. massive implications. There oh, I'm them. just looking more at how they're going to send orders through people's brains to go carry out this action and that action. 
Absolutely. Everybody could be controlled. I mean, they have these neuro rights here simply as a way to appease the public. But I, I rest assured that, you know, we have a long standing history of all the players involved violating every single one of these. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, they, well, you know, look, let's just go to this New York Times article real quick, because they, they talk about uh, this implant that he likened to a hallucination. And he says, we were able to implant into these mice perceptions of things they hadn't seen. We manipulated the mouse like a puppet. And, um, and then further up under a human rights issue, uh, it says to grasp why Dr. Yuste frets so much about brain reading technology, it helps to understand his research. He doesn't fret shit. Sorry. He helped pioneer a technology that can read and write to the brain with unprecedented precision. And it doesn't require surgery, but it does require genetic engineering. Dr. Uste infects mice with a virus that inserts two genes into the animal's neurons. One prompts the cells to produce a protein hmm, that make them sensitive to infrared light. The other makes the neurons emit light when they activate. Thereafter, when the neurons fire, Dr. Uste can see them light up and he can activate neurons in turn with an infrared laser. Dr. Yuste can thus read what's happening in the mouse's brain and write to the mouse's brain with an accuracy impossible with other techniques. Wow. And what, and what, uh, hang on, let me find it because there's another one. So, so because we're talking about lighting up the brain in this one, right. And using these infrared lights. So in an MIT, um, article, and we can go back to that one if you, after this edge, because I know I, I skipped something in there <laughs> that you're going to remind me of. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying the, to jump around. I've got like, like I know we're all over the place here. Sorry. <laughs> so, but I just want to read this because this one is the, the government. This is 2016. Government seeks high fidelity brain computer interface. Okay. And when talking about it, they say, when they're, when they're trying to do this work and figure out, you know, the best way to do this, they're talking about developing these fluorescent molecules that respond directly to voltages and da, da, da. And they say a different problem is that unlike a zebrafish, which is basically translucent, the human brain has a milky consistency that is hard to see through. To deal with that, Rook says it may be possible to slide ultra narrow silicon shanks throughout the brain. These would contain the hardware necessary to both emit light and detect it from nearby cells, getting around the problem of the brain's opacity. If enough of these pillars were used, the entire brain could be illuminated, Rooks calculates. Although optical techniques are promising, the FDA could be reluctant to let scientists genetically modify volunteers' brains so that they glow. Rook says that as a result, he and his collaborators plan to present DARPA with a more convenient proposal that still relies on more conventional electrodes. DARPA has reasons for insisting any recording scheme be be tried in humans. The agency hopes the goal will draw interest from medical device companies as well as manufacturers of semiconductors and optical instruments. Without industry involvement, there's little chance of making brain machine interfaces improve as fast as computers have. Interesting. I just just want to throw up. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So let's make some connections here. We're talking about, and let me go back to that, uh, that piece we were just talking about. 
um, we're talking about being able to have this sort of brain computer inter interface or uh, manipulation of the brain, not by necessarily devices, but by genetics altering the genes in right. the human brain. Am right. I reading and understanding this correctly? That's how it reads to me. All right. So, and if in you look New back Times at the past, article. <laughs> yeah, and you look back at the past two years and what we've been through um, with the mRNA vaccines, quote unquote, um, it, it really did kind of open up that Pandora's box to enable this kind of um, manipulation, right? Right, right. So it says here, I'm looking at this, it says... But scientists are exploring workarounds. This is in the New York Times article. Drugs and nanoparticles that make neurons receptive to infrared light, allowing precise activation of neurons without genetic engineering. Interesting. Nanoparticles. Huh. Yep. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, creepy, creepy stuff that we know mm -hmm. that they're already very interested in and are using already. So... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just really interesting to see how all of this connects, how all of it connects to, um, you know, where we, where we've been going for the past couple of years and, you know, where we can expect to be going in the future with this kind of, um, advancements and this kind of funding, uh, right. So for these, for these guys here. Um, another oh, thing, well, and, and one other thing, just in this experiment he did with the mice. So in one experiment, he trained mice to take a drink of sugar water after a series of bars appeared on a screen. He recorded which neurons in the visual cortex fired when the mice saw those bars. Then he activated those same neurons with the laser, but without showing them the actual bars and the mice had the same reaction. They took a drink. So, I mean, the, you know, which is what he likened to imp That's where he likens this to what he did as implanting a hallucination. So, mm -hmm. so <laughs> how are people, people are manipulated and influenced and um, on a, on a consistent basis through so many different ways right now, it's not even funny and they don't even know it. How are they going to know when this crap's being pulled on them. Yeah, how would you, you know, know? Like Charles Morgan, I had included him in um, in my five-part COVID report I had done, and it was on part five about fear being a real killer. And um, he says, he talks about, he says, think about it. If you change the past, you change human behavior. To change human motivation, we don't have to persuade people. You can just change their memory. And then he wow. goes on to say, um, believe what you remember, but don't assume that what you remember is true, what information is real and what information is trustworthy. By changing the past, inserting, they insert fake, they, they have the ability to insert fake memories to alter the future. And um, yeah, I have this whole video on here that I'm sure some people have already seen it, but it was a um, uh, little 55 minute seminar deal he did with cadets at uh, West Point. And he's, he's like a giddy little kid in a candy store. This guy is so excited about everything that DARPA does. Yeah, it's creepy. 
and it's very, very creepy on what they're the what they are already able to do and what they've been doing for a long time, and now they're wanting to take what they've done with military um, and do it on humans. It, it's yeah, yeah. And um, I was just looking through some of DARPA's latest uh, research in this neurotech arena. And um, this is just recent from, you know, earlier, you know, this year, just on in March, um, that they're actually doing something called what they call NEAT, N-E-A-T, an N-E-A-T program. This is their neural evidence aggregation tool. And mm-hmm. they're planning on using this to identify psychological and behavior changes before they impact readiness. So they're claiming that this is to help uh, soldiers who have, say, PTSD or depression or suicidal thoughts. That's how it's being sold. However, you can imagine what what they could do with this. I mean, I've been thinking right. about how they appear to have been weeding out um, certain ideologies from within the military. And the litmus test for that was who was willing to take the jab and who wasn't. Right. right? And so they weeded out all of these people who were not ideologically aligned with this regime very quickly that way. And the ones who remained were the ones who were willing to uh, to either compromise their belief system or... Um, who are aligned with their belief system. But how do you know for sure you've weeded them all out? Well, NEAT is got a really neat way of weeding that sort of those side of the sort of ideologies out because what they can do it's sort of like a lie detector test mm-hmm. only really getting to people's core beliefs so they'll ask the uh, the person who is under the, the subject of this scientific research certain questions and be able to perceive from their neurological or subconscious reactions what their core beliefs are are. And so I think that, you know, this could really be used to manipulate people and or target people of certain belief systems that are not ideologically aligned with, with this uh, program, with this. Oh, absolutely. And, and all of this will end up tying in with our social scores and our digital ID and our access and eventually roll the whole, uh, brain activity into that and the blockchain which allegedly will be um decentralized uh which is you know that these people all have access to this data who are we kidding right yeah so i don't think we did the fifth um what what the fifth one was okay so let's look at that okay so the fifth one is the right to protection from algorithmic bias (laughs) okay countermeasures to combat bias should be the norm for machine learning algorithm design should include input from user groups to fund foundationally address bias so basically uh your brain chip's going to be woke (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way i just saw that on a t-shirt my brain chip is woke (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. 
Right. So it's going to be just like all of big tech is mm -hmm. all of our Google searches, all of our, you know, uh, basically al algorithms on Twitter and Facebook, how they're going to, it's going to be aligned with those same sort of a things a amplifying uh, their woke ideology as far as, you know, um, their algorithms go versus, um, you know, and, and, and minimizing any kind of alternative lines of thinking. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then um, they just recently received, if you look at Raphael Uste's Twitter, he just retweeted a few days ago, um, the Brain Initiative will receive a one-time 400 million funding bump in fiscal year 2023 for a total of 900 million next year. Yeah. Wow. So, that is a lot of money. 900 yes. million. Yes. Yeah. They're trying to push this hard. And well, NIH has already put, uh, what was it? 4.5 billion into mapping the brain. And they're not doing that so that we're healthy. I think that's quite evident after the last few years. Nah, they don't, do not give a crap about our health. <laughs> no, money and power, baby. Mm -hmm, money, control, mm -hmm. and power. Yeah, then, I didn't know about this over at the NIH. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so when I was digging through this after hearing Whitney Webb's podcast on the neuro rights and kind of taking that as a jumping point, looking into DARPA, into IARPA, which is the CIA's version of DARPA, well, I didn't know that an entirely new agency has been um, thought up and become law um, as of March of 2022. So apparently Biden mm -hmm. proposed the creation of basically the equivalent DARPA. of DARPA, but under uh, the NIH, under the HHS, um, as focusing on health only. So um, this is going to be advancing uh I'm just going to read it here. Such advances present and present an opportunity to revolutionize how to prevent, treat, and even cure a range of diseases, including cancer, infectious diseases, Alzheimer disease, and many others that together affect a significant number of Americans. ARPA-H, which is the equivalent of DARPA, but under the health agencies, will support transformative, high-risk, high-reward research to drive biomedical and health breakthroughs ranging from molecular to societal that would provide transformative solutions for all patients. Okay, so we've got a, basically a new agency that is DARPA mm -hmm. or the equivalent of DARPA under the NIH or HHS. And this agency is going to be producing high risk, high reward research because high risk research worked out so well at the Wuhan Institute, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think that they want to actually separate this agency and they're kind of going back and forth in Congress about this with certain bills as to whether ARPA-H is going to be part of NIH or completely separate from NIH because NIH, <laughs> because NIH got busted for their funding of quote unquote high risk research. Yeah, we might want to keep the health stuff just slightly separated. But where's the line you showed me earlier where it mentioned um, specifically the brain? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So apparently there is this group called the um, called FABS, the Federation of Associations in Behavioral and Brain Sciences. This is like an NGO that focuses specifically on brain sciences. And their main objective is to affect policy and to get research funding for brain sciences. And apparently FABS was a key player. I'm going to read this here. FABS played an active role as the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and NIH sought input over the past year to inform plans for this new agency, this DARPA-like agency under the health uh, agencies. So um, FABS has definitely played a key role in that. So I think that they are definitely expecting to have a key role as the agency kind of takes form. And they put out another bulletin to all of their members saying, look, FABS encourages behavioral and brain scientists to look for new opportunities at ARPA-H as ARPA-H evolves. Interested researchers can send letters of interest, et cetera, to ARPA-H, and ARPA-H leadership will use these contacts to hit the ground running as they begin to hire staff who will lead ambitious research programs using the quote-unquote DARPA model to accelerate Mm -hmm. breakthroughs in health. And this is breakthroughs in health with regards to brain sciences. So here, here's what I got to know. Who the hell's behind FABS? Because this sounds very much like you stay and church putting together the draft that's going to go to the White House that's going to become the brain initiative. So who's behind FAB that helped to launch this whole ARPA-H crap? Yeah. Or not launch it maybe, but but we're working obviously together so that the second this was rolled out, they were boom there. Right. Well, so like I said, their main role is to educate members of Congress and representatives on the mm-hmm. importance of the, so they're lobbyists for brain sciences. Their entire goal is to get legislation and policy in place to advance this technology. It's to secure funding for this technology and, and scientific advancements. And as far as who is involved, it's really all members of the scientific community related to brain sciences. It's a bunch, a bunch of different uh people and or organizations involved in fabs so when was fat okay what is it federation of associations in behavioral and brain sciences so it does it say did you find when they were founded yeah it says they were founded back in 1980 um huh. and then they like merged huh. to their foundation with them back in i don't know 2009 or 2015 So they've been around for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. But so I do think that a lot of this funding that is going to this new ARPA H. Oh, yeah. Is definitely going to go towards brain scientists and advancing this. So not only do we have DARPA funding for this, not only do we have IARPA funding this. Because they they needed a division that focused um, more on the health end of it so that, you know. 
they yeah, can and, stick the landing. <laughs> right. And, and, and when I see Alzheimer's disease, that's the, the red flag to me. It's like, okay, this is, you know, neuroscience type of stuff. They're looking at advancements in neurotech um, to help with these sort of neurological disorders, which, Alzheimer's, uh, dementia. Which, you know, Parkinson's. the Bill Gates front is all involved in Alzheimer's. Yeah, but it's definitely also going to push, you know, genetic stuff and vaccines. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm sitting here like trying to research while we're talking because now I'm like curious. Uh, so, okay. So NSF, the National Science Foundation, that map, um, this this is also in, in my book and on my website. I've included this in a few reports now because it is so important. They're involved in all this crap. The AI research institutes, the brain institutes, just all of it. And if we, uh, this is like a key chart, people should keep bookmarked so they know what's going on in their states. And if you mouse over the, the colored dots on the right, what it does is it shows you the states on the left that are involved in this particular agenda. And then it lists the lead, the principal organizations and the partners and collaborators. So it's quite a handy, handy little list there. And you're going to find all the same players in all the same, you know, all the other agendas. Right. So this is this is a really uh, handy tool that I reference quite often. And uh, if you want to kind of get a scope, big picture of what's going on, but but they're all up in everything. NSF has been involved in all of this crap for a very long time. So yeah, that's a good resource. So yeah. All right, yep. man, we slammed through a ton of information. <laughs> Did and we cover everything? We rattled everything? off a lot of stuff as scrambled as we are. I think that I we know. actually got through it. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. We It was a little scrambly there, but we kind of, it, it, it's such an important topic. We wanted to cover it. And, you know, we literally had like last night to kind of weed through this and grab uh, old reports and whatnot. <laughs> yeah yeah so i think we nailed it hopefully and hopefully <laughs> hopefully all right guys please please be sure to share this podcast we are on BitChute, foxhole gab tv iHeartRadio, odyssey pilled rumble soundcloud spotify stitcher tune in and youtube and we'll see you back next time right here on dig it 